0: We live in a society. Isn't that right, Sebastian?
1: Oh, man. You know, I am sick and tired of hearing about people watching this commercial. As <laughs> if they're the only person who watched this, this trailer and th- thought that they had some bright idea of socio political commentary or whatever the fuck that... The Joker was in this movie. Wow. It's like fucking... It, it, it's like putting all your money on black on the roulette board. You have a 50-50 shot of getting it right. And when it comes to DC... Okay, name another DC villain. I fucking thought so. so Darkseid.
0: Whatever. Okay. Lex like Luthor.
1: <laughs> whatever, dude. Okay, I, I get it. You have all the time in the world to uh, twiddle your thumbs and come up with DC villains. Uh, I don't, so... <laughs> Who the fuck cares hey man, I, about the 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 trailer and, and how it is similar or different to you know the the last Joker film? As if we didn't already have a Heath Ledger film who was uh, so inundatedly tired of society already. Except that movie was more of like an action movie. It wasn't so much of a yeah. uh, a, a mental thriller. Okay, so
0: well, it, that's it was my more opinion. of a crime drama for sure. It was Kinda more like of a crime he... drama.
1: Um, but, uh, you know, TLDR, uh, I don't care because DC Warner brothers is not going to listen to fan suggestions and or opinions. They're going to make whatever the fuck movie they want. So until you're in a position mm -hmm. to write the screenplay and or direct it,
0: what's going to happen? They're going to keep churning out what they've already been churning out to be sure this movie is only happening because they listened to the fans and because they got enough pressure. And even the line we live in a society originated from like some change.org petition from 2018 when, uh, huge, uh, presumably fans of the Joker from places like, uh, beloved places like 4chan and, uh, other ilk basically signed a petition so that in the next future upcoming movie that was just loosely called Joker, which eventually became the Joaquin Phoenix Joker film, uh, basically pushed a petition to say, oh, we want the Joker to say this line for some ironic reason.
1: The- so let me get this straight,
0: right? Whether or not right.
1: it's Joaquin Phoenix, Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill, fucking Cesar Romero. You guys are foaming at the mouth. You guys are just foaming at the mouth
0: at this one line. Well, there's there's like right wing reactionaries that are foaming at the mouth and then everybody else who saw what happened at the end of uh, Joker, where, you know, he he doesn't say we live in a society. He does have a joke where he says, you know, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that uh, I forgot the rest of the line, but. Basically treats them like trash, and then you get the crescendo with Robert De Niro. It's basically just a reaction to what's been a, a almost like a meme for almost two and a half years, and this is, in all honesty, this is the culmination of that. This is the actual moment where all of those people in 2018, all those Breitbart readers, basically finally got what they wanted. By having this trailer for – oh, God – this trailer for a movie that arguably should not exist because there's never before has Warner Brothers done anything quite like this in basically making a movie to appease a bunch of people that were whiny about the last Justice League movie. So here you go, and we'll give you a little bit extra. Not only okay. that, Zack Snyder himself is a right-wing reactionary. Just take a look at 300. So, of course, he's going to see this and think, hmm, I'm going to put this in my movie, and it's going to be – I'm going to get a lot of people going herder on, okay. on Vimeo or, or whatever app he uses. I know he uses a social Good. media app that, like, literally he's the only one that uses that app, the only person. Good but the for whole, him. But the whole origin of this now doesn't what? even originate with the Joker. It originates from a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> it's from the Chinese restaurant episode when they're trying to get a table and George loses it at somebody and says, you know, we live in a society, that's where this all started. So the idea that this even had any kind of semblance of Heath Ledger's Joker, maybe subliminally, but I don't think it computes why with is, either Walking Phoenix this, or this.
1: Mm. I, I think I just just now had the biggest epiphany mm. where it's not... It's not only just uninterest, but it's just vehement shut the fuck upism about mm. just little minuscule things that only a certain amount of the population would care about. And I don't intend yeah. to be edgy when I say this, but what does all this fucking matter, dude? <laughs> it's one yeah. line from one trailer that we're going to fucking write a dissertation over because what? Because it's just a, a big cult phenomenon.
0: Well, we've all like, become Jokerfied. That's that's why everybody is so. No, up in arms no,
1: we've it. not we've not all become Jokerfied. We've become Jokerfied to the point where it's it, it's fun to talk about it and it's fun to reference the lines and it's fun to you know play the character, right. which the character being an actually mentally deranged person. Uh, yeah. Yeah, go see your psychiatrist on that one. Um, but they cut the funding, remember? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, dude. I just... I, you told me to watch the trailer, and I didn't. Okay? And I didn't for a reason, because it's just like, dude, like, the whole, the whole movie commentary shtick, for me at least, it's like, when we did the whole hour-and-a-half-long spiel about Star Wars, you know, that was Star Wars, and that was something that I had a genuine interest in. And yeah. it wasn't until grew up a substantial amount that I realized that movie companies don't give a fuck about their audience, okay? Why should I care? Why should I care what societal message that this is trying to uh, to spin? And I mm-hmm. guess more to the point, why should I care about the, uh, the shoehorned political message that both sides of the aisle are going to try to uh, ham-fist their ideals into as to why this is the best and or the worst movie of 2021? As if the year 2021 hasn't already started off shitty. It's right. pretty much continued from 2020, okay? So this, is, mention... the film, this is the film that's going to make it all better because some writer, director, decided to throw a bone to the fans, a very minuscule one, might I add, where mm-hmm. one petition out of a thousand or out of millions of comments or and suggestions saying that this should be in the movie finally got released. Like
0: It's also... <laughs> Like, like, don't forget too. The movie still hasn't even come out yet, and so the expectation yeah. is so- all over the place. Regard, you know, politically, uh, fans, moviegoers, the casual viewer, like nobody knows what to expect. Other than, you
1: know, Correct. how people
0: would normally feel with a movie like this, and especially with a director like this, it, you know. So it, but no, it, this isn't gonna. Save Hollywood or save cinema or whatever. It, I mean, it's – unfortunately, it's just another chapter in the decline of cinema. And on top of that, right. too, the line – I agree with you. I mean, the line, it's mundane. It's ridiculous. And uh, to to paraphrase YouTuber Sal Crivelli, to say that line in that s- specific situation – at the end of the world, it's the height of irony. Like, you're in the apocalypse. You you're not you're not going to be talking about living in a society when it's the end of the world. So I just, why I don't why do we I, need I don't
1: under I don't understand why why consumer opinion is held on such a pedestal, dude. I really don't. I never found it it's interesting.
0: What makes the world go round, unfortunately? Oh, yeah, get fucked,
1: okay? It's not what makes <laughs> the world go around, okay? It's what makes People believe that they have a modicum of something to talk to when it comes to pop cultural conversations. And I'll tell you this from freelancing in a pop cultural uh, sphere, I can say that they can, they can all get fucking bent. The people that you're writing about, the films that you're writing about and the political ideas that you have in tune with what you're writing about will not be seen by the original creator. I guarantee it. Okay. And if it is, it's going to be, it's going to be taken as a as a direct hit at their brand and and their brand has more money than you by the way so expect to fucking cease and desist at the least so i circle back why why do we talk why do we talk about this why should we care because it's the one semblance of entertainment that we have in an otherwise falling world um okay well if the world is falling before our very eyes like i'm sorry dude and and i know that this (laughs) i know this is a vastly contrasting opinion and probably not something that you expected but i've seen a lot of movies i've seen a lot of good movies bad movies i've seen a, a lot of good and horrible takes and i've contributed to some of them and i got to be honest, I'm tired of being, you know, edgy. I'm tired of being, like, nihilistic to, this, to the point of just, like, critiquing something for the hell of it, where mm. my day would probably be much better off if I just didn't fucking bother.
0: Right. right. You yeah, know? I, I, I agree.
1: I can't analyze every little thing. I, re- I really can't. I don't have the time or the... I don't have the patience for it.
0: No, <laughs> like, I, I really, trust me, I... I, I hear you. It's honestly the fact that this is part of what we get in, you know, in the the world that we live in, it's, it's abysmal, and it's soul-crushing. And it just kind of makes you think, wow, so we're documenting what's going on for future generations, and we're left scratching our heads thinking, why? Why bother? Well, and because— y-
1: well because it's it's of the belief that oh well there's not a lot going on in the world besides you know the besides people dying covid spreading um small businesses failing like everything around us is 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 bad by definition so we want everything to burns. Inje- right we want to inject a little bit of you know entertainment or something that people we know will enjoy but it's it's not it's a safety measure on the entertainment industry's part because it's something that they know we will enjoy that we'll knowingly consume and just fucking wait for the next thing to be consumed. Yeah. And it's like at that point, it's like, go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> I don't I don't fucking care. I didn't care when the first Justice League came out. I didn't I I didn't care when Batman eventually killed the Joker in its Nine thousand
0: iterations of media.
1: Okay, I just know that it happened. I was like, "Oh, okay, that's that's a different path," and continued on with my day.
0: You know, I didn't. You mean mean like in the '89 movie?
1: No, in like the comic Killing Joke, at the end of Arkham Knight, when he snapped his fucking neck.
0: I don't remember him snapping his neck at the end of Arkham Knight. I I mean, dude, he snapped his neck. It, It
1: was a scene in. What do you know? You don't play video games.
0: <laughs> I have watched the cutscene movie and it's a damn good cutscene movie. Not to mention Joker's dead in Arkham Knight.
1: No, Joker's dead in Arkham Knight yeah. because Batman killed him. That was a re- that was a regression of memories. Oh. So yes, he starts off as dead, and at right. the end of the at the end of the game you find out
0: how he died. You didn't pick up on that? That's this is news to me because everything I've seen about it is basically he's constantly just this lingering, right? Almost like a ghost nagging back. Because in the previous, I think it's in Arkham City, he takes like some kind of he's sick and he takes some drug like Titan, yeah. and then it ultimately kills him. And then Batman puts him on the hood of uh, a GCPD car. Never read the Killing Joke. Well, I've read The Killing Joke. I'm talking about the Arkham Knight video uh, video game. I know oh, at the end of The Killing dead. Joke, it's it's perceived that he's broken his neck. I know that there's a couple of different writers at DC that interpret it as he did or he didn't. Obviously, because it's considered canon, it's perceived that he didn't. But as far as I know, it's also perceived by the author and by other DC authors, like I think Grant Morrison that he did do it. Right. But so that
1: actually that actually leads into my next point, right? Yeah. Where you discuss things that are canon and that aren't canon. And people aren't content with that. Right? Mm. So if something is canon, meaning something exists in that specific universe. Why are people trying to to say that like it isn't or they try to uh, skew it to their own perspective and they just they get into these lengthy discussions about it? Okay, like let's take, for instance, if Joker in the trailer didn't say we live in a society. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people probably would have been up in arms about the whole, oh, this online petition that is fucking innocuous and not going to be seen by anybody. Surprise, surprise. Didn't do
0: anything. Okay. but you're also, for, this in, is also a 2018 petition for a completely right. different movie. I was going to say— The petition only the came back up in again in response trailer. to what he says in the trailer. The line in the trailer could have had
1: nothing to do with the petition. Maybe. But it's very you know? specific. Well,
0: it's very on well, the nose. Like
1: Yeah, it's very it's, on the nose because it's a quote that's very on the nose in both literature and in— video games and in memes in pop culture basically you know i wouldn't be surprised if they put it in the fact of the matter is that they did but now everyone's trying to say that oh well it was because of me it's it's because of the hive mind mentality that we essentially bullied dc into uh putting this um this line in when in actuality they couldn't have cared they couldn't have even seen it
0: i i have no idea that's just it i haven't heard anything of any about anyone claiming that and that, the uh, reason why but given the kind of person Zack Snyder is it's not too hard for me to think okay maybe he saw the petition and figured here's a little tongue in cheek uh you know wink and a nod to those in the crowd that have wanted to hear this since 2018 i i i, I don't know i can't who, who claim knows? that i i can perceive the exact reasoning for its who inclusion
1: knows? Who knows? Who cares? Uh, more importantly, who cares? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of the world doesn't think like us, where they have to go at at length, ad nauseum, as to, oh, well, here's why you should care. Okay, Reddit user uh, suck my cock. Why should I care then? <laughs> because it's a movie that you happen to like to some asinine degree, um, giving me rhetoric about why we should care about it. It's like, dude. I don't understand what the whole comfort level of mm. watching these movies and engaging in these discussions, you know, I don't understand what it brings to the table other than
0: juvenile behavior, you know? To a degree. I mean, it's, it's people that haven't been able to really grow up, and unfortunately it doesn't help when... A lot of what those people consume, you know, it's it's the same stuff they've been consuming as kids. And those companies are like, okay, how can we keep them loyal even though they're, you know, 13, 16, 18, 21, 25, 30? Like it's it's maintaining that and it doesn't show progress of any kind. It's basically stuntification. The tricky thing, although that's kind of ridiculous at least in regards to these specific DC films given that they're in their own particular universe it's not even a separate universe it's a particular specific universe made by Warner Brothers to be their equivalent of Marvel the fact that it's been so rickety and so disdained over the years the fact that they did acquiesce to fans, and I mean the fans that somehow thought Man of Steel was a dime, that thought BVS was the new Casablanca, and they thought Wonder Woman was the height of you know, feminine p- empowerment. It's kind of like, okay, and you got a Justice League movie that, yes, was a Frankenstein's monster. I will, I, I will agree to that. But to hound the studio for over several years and then finally in an age where they're not producing that much content because of a global pandemic, the fact that you can actually get the studio, the original filmmaker who previously left the project due to a death in the family, I should note. So he had every reason to leave and then to also throw millions of dollars into reshoots and re-editing this movie, getting – cast members to come back for those reshoot, uh, reshoots, including Jared Leto. I mean, it's amazing, and I don't say that in a positive way. It, it's amazing in the sense of, like, wow, this is what entertainment has become in whatever age we live it's in become, now. You it's know.
1: become a circle jerk of who has the most politically correct opinion in the room that also happens to be Laced oh, with the most. Um,
0: I don't know what politi- political correctness. Has uh, to how happen. how should we say uh, flashy wording? I don't know what political correctness has to do with with the Snyder Cut, but well, I mean, well, it's... God forbid it happens
1: to uh, it happens to uh, be of a perspective that the masses don't agree with.
0: Yeah, but 300 was like that, and it, it's yeah, well, it, well it, fucking it,
1: jump was the the other way, and people exactly. found well, with yeah. twisted,
0: yeah, and found their
1: edge in. Uh, dog shitting on the movie so there's that that's true my point is uh god forbid this movie's made the wrong kind of way at the end of the day you know and again i don't mean to throw the whole age card out there but i feel like i've grown up to a point where it's just that honestly truthfully unless i'm drunk and on a marathon these (laughs) movies don't interest me anymore okay yeah i don't care what they've done to the characters to make them seem more interesting for the audience that grew up with them. Because I've seen what they've done to the characters growing up with these characters, and I hearken back to my last point of the first Justice League sucked, okay? Mm. In contrast, what they did to expand upon in the Joker was brilliant. Yeah. I feel that this is going to be the former I I don't I do because you say we live in a society, <clears throat> but it's not to it's not to harken back to the uh, the the Joaquin Phoenix Days of Old playing Joker. It's it's the uh, the hey uh, I want to do my best Heath Ledger impersonation because I'm a junior in high school and I think I'm edgy meme impersonation. Okay, it's not falling under the right pretense of what this statement means. Mm-hmm. In how it's being made, because when I think of Justice League, I think of ensemble films. and when I think of ensemble yeah. films, I think of more action. Anyone knows what to do with. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a psychological mindfuck thriller, you know. Whatever, it's not. But well, please, when movie comes out, prove me wrong. If there is anything like that in there.
0: Oh, duly noted. I I, I will report. But but I will say that I don't. I I can. In in a simpler term, I can safely say that it's going to probably be one of those movies that's dumb action, that's attempting to be something philosophical and attempting to touch on, you know, the vibes that, you know, Man of Steel was trying to portray. They're probably not going to go any further with the kinds of stuff that you saw in Joker just because – this is a completely different kind of movie. We're talking intergalactic uh, destruction of the world, resurrecting, zo- uh, resurrecting aliens. Like, whereas Joker could have easily just been taxi driver with clown makeup. You know, like it's it's almost a completely different film. It is a completely different film altogether. If they were to even try and hearken back to that movie, a movie which. The studio had no faith in a movie that all the annoying liberal reviewers were already saying was dangerous and it's going to turn you into a crazy person and make you want to cause a shooting. Whereas Justice League was already being flouted as being this great, wonderful return for DC, and it ended up looking more like uh, that old Transformers episode when all the Autobots combined into one And it was about as sad as when you find out that the guy who played Sloth from the Goonies passed away. I digress. You're just thinking to yourself, this is going to be a very messy, slow... And when I mean slow, I mean there's going to be a lot of slow motion. movie that attempts to be philosophical when the reality is it's just going to be dumb explosions, slow-mo, sepia tones, and hey, there's that cool thing from The Dark Knight Returns. Nothing further. Nothing past skin deep well honestly honestly that incentivizes me to just steer clear
1: (laughs) and i hate reviewing movies before i've even seen them but if ghostbusters 2016 was any indication i was pretty content with not seeing it knowing how it'd pan out and then looking at the reviews online as scathing and be like well okay yeah it's like again it's like putting all your money on black you know, you, you may win, you may lose. And I won big time with that prediction.
0: Oof, that that was a movie time. I that was a movie I gladly avoided. And then my family found out on TV and said, well, let's watch it. And anyway, this is Mars on Life. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I guess I guess to end
1: this. Um, yeah. Look, you seem to care about this a a bit more than I do. And it's not to say that that I'm not
0: more. I I promise you
1: not that not that much more. But, you know, I got to be honest, dude. I've stopped giving a shit. okay, because I know that these studios are going to do nothing for the fans other than just keep churning out these movies. And yeah, I, I, I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care about the filmography of it. I don't care about the composition, the horde, hordes, swarms of uh, of journos wanting to hop on the uh, the bandwagon and express their opinion about how it's the most important film of the tw- of 2021 and why you need to see it. You know, like pointing a gun at your head. Mm. You know, I'm. <laughs> it's just. It doesn't interest me and having that uninteresting perspective is so uncommon because matter of like you got to look at the world that we live in now and you say well why wouldn't this be interesting what the hell else are you doing with your time sebastian well <laughs> not watching shitty movies
0: but yeah. I, I mean just, that's that's kind know. of the way i I'd, I'd treat anything star wars right about now my opinion on just about anything Star Wars outside of the original trilogy has never been as negative as it is now. Like I I had a friend of mine reaching out to me about something Star Wars related and I was like, I don't care. Get it out of my face. You know, I and I, I know I've talked at length about it on this show, and I'm not about to, I promise you, but I just have no more love left for this franchise that was supposed to be just three fun movies and has now just become far worse than I ever thought it would be you know I never would have thought reading that wonderful uh BBC News article back in 2012 that that would spawn me ultimately having a deep disdain for a franchise I grew up with and I and this isn't growing up in the sense that like you know D- these DC movies have been around at least since 2013, starting with Man of Steel. Whereas the Star Wars movies, I I was right on the cusp where I was only a couple years old when the special editions came out, and I was floored. I was like, "Whoa!" You know, as a two-year-old, that's an impression. But I look at what's come in the last year, two years, and I'm just thinking, "Wow! I never would have thought Star Wars would get worse." than the racist aliens from phantom menace (laughs) like like, oh my god it's anyway i I wanted to also issue kind of one quick correction i i mentioned during our discussion about the incident at the capitol i referred to once upon a time in america um i actually meant once upon a time in mexico there's a coup d'etat in that movie or at least an attempted coup d'etat I actually still haven't yet seen Once Upon a Time in America. That's a very different movie set, I think, in New York with Robert De Niro. Before we kind of get it on to our main two topics, which uh, we won't be dedicating as much time to just due to uh, just due to how long the previous discussion went on for, um, very quickly, uh, Sia's movie Music came out. And uh, last I checked, it was at 12% on Rotten Tomatoes um there we go opinion over. yeah we predicted
1: I... that the movie would be bad based on the uh assumption that you know not only based on the assumption that it was stereotyping a certain demographic of people but mm. i saw the screenshots of the movie i i thought it was a fucking joke of course i saw it on twitter so i think that the entire application is a joke mm. and i'm like okay this is, this is bad sure enough you know, I don't even think I need to see Rotten Tomatoes to justify it. Um, True. This movie just sounded uninteresting. I think the reason why it was interesting is because everyone wanted to have a political opinion about it, about why it's wrong to cast the people that she did in this movie when it wasn't warranted. And you know what? You don't need a political opinion. You just need a general consensus of, hey, that's a bit fucked up. And Mm -hmm. ideally not post about it on Twitter. This could have been everyone's own independent line of thought coming together and saying, you know, Sia, you really dropped the ball on this one. But everyone decided to take it to to Twitter and be personally offended, even if you're not even in that demographic of people. I'm sorry. Mm. (laughs) So I don't know what the fuck they're on about. Um, I don't. I really don't you know you, you can stand in solidarity for something but when it's solidarity behind a keyboard for imaginary internet points yeah get ben
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it, it was a movie that was th- there were well i'll put it this way um let's not also forget her response to critics uh which we previously talked about of course which Certainly did not help her case in trying to get people to go see this movie. Um, So uh, it it was also really jarring recently when I found out that uh, back in might have been 2015. It was probably 2016. um, There was an episode of Saturday Night Live guest hosted by Donald Trump. And Sia was the musical guest. And uh, I stumbled upon it recently uh, talking to my folks. And when I saw Sia's name, I was like, wow, things really come full circle. Yeah. Sia, what were you thinking? Anyway, kind of delve into our primary topics today. Uh just kind of wanted to briefly go over something that I think is fascinating and I think well worth checking into. Um, obviously, it's going to be a wee bit of time until this is going to be accessible to the public. Um, but it's provided by a very reliable and a very fascinating resource called Pacific Standard Time. So you can probably guess where you're going to be able to see it uh, on the the West Coast uh, in SoCal. But um, basically, just to read off a headline from the LA Times, science-themed Pacific Standard Time for 2024 takes shape with Getty Art Grants. Um, And just to kind of give a little bit of an idea on what Pacific Standard Time is, Uh, It's a collaboration of art institutes with uh, thematically linked exhibitions and programs designed to celebrate the region's vibrant cultural history. Um, It's basically a way to represent sort of the changing demographics and really the true demographics of Southern California. I had the chance to see one of their many exhibitions a few years ago. At the Autry Museum of the American West, Uh, the exhibit was about La Raza, which was a kind of news magazine during the Chicano movement, and it featured countless photographs that were taken during that time period. Um, I'll just very quickly quote an article that touched upon La Raza, um, and I should note, uh, for the sake of somebody that wants to accuse me of plagiarism, I'm about to quote myself. Um, because I, got to, I previously got to write a little bit about La Raza, um, and just kind of briefly uh, with the Autry, they've tried to sort of go a little bit beyond just being a cowboy museum. Um, the exhibit took visitors back to the streets of 1960s Los Angeles alongside the Chicano movement. Uh, the newspaper La Raza documented the Chicano movement's history while also advancing the cause for equality. Photographs from that time, as well as newspaper copies, lined the walls of the exhibition. Combining civil rights, L.A., photography, and journalism into one exhibit resonated with Angelinos who saw history presented in one place before them, uh, said Keisha Rains, communications and marketing manager. Uh, although the average special exhibition is on display for six months, La Raza was presented from September 2017 until February 2019, along with a prior four-year preparation with UCLA's Chicano Chicano Studies Research Center. So, um, yeah, they basically do a phenomenal job at just trying to make exhibitions that feel very relevant for the people of SoCal. Um, In this specific iteration of Pacific Standard Time, which will be called Art by Science by LA, I think that's how you pronounce it, there's those two... X's is in there, so I'm assuming X is as in like two by four. Anyway, um well that'll be popping up in 2024. Um forty five SOCAL cultural and educational institutes all uh will receive increments of a five million dollar uh grant from the Getty Foundation. And uh of course you've got various institutes like the self help graphics and arts uh From Boyle Heights, uh, working in collaboration with the Natural History Museum, looking into industrial waste and uh, couldn't read what I had written down. Uh, Soil contamination affecting communities of color. Um, Of course, the Autry also received part of that grant for two exhibitions, um, one of which really caught me off guard just by the uh, illustrative work that is said to be featured in one of these specific Exhibitions, uh, those exhibitions being Out of Sight, Survey Science, and the Hidden West, uh, which questions the relationship between visual imaging technologies and the Western lands they illuminate or erase, and Indigenous Futures or How to Survive and Thrive After the Apocalypse. Uh, seems relevant given the last discussion, which presents artworks that reflect a commingling of science fiction and Native cultures. Uh, it aims to challenge historical myths from films such as star Wars and avatar while assessing the very real impact colonization, including environmental degradation degradation and toxic stereotypes. Um, And of course some of the artwork featured basically incorporated uh, sort of visual uh, galactic landscapes, uh, but also superimposed with uh, traditional indigenous dance choreography uh, imagery, what have you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, Sebastian, I don't know if this is something that you'd be interested in checking out in the years to come, or I don't know, had you had, you had any chance to hear about Pacific Standard Time previously?
1: Never. No, this is my first time hearing about it. When you oh, when wow. you sent me the
0: article, yeah, this was my first time actually hearing about it, yeah. Oh, cool, okay. Yeah, it's, I, Larazzo was something that really took me up, took me off guard just because the idea of the Autry in specific covering that felt very relevant, obviously, given where the Autry is located uh, near Los Angeles, but also just the idea of covering this at a museum that, again, the Autry is primarily known as kind of like the Cowboy Museum. You know, you get to see old rifles old pistols um they have a saloon setup in there that makes you kind of feel like you're in the old west and i had the chance to sort of return after several years of not having been there um a number of years ago and i was blown away at all the changes to kind of modernize the museum make it feel a little bit less like okay here's all the white history of the american west And more about, okay, here's, you know, why the land was important for California Indians, whether it was in the desert or in uh, northern California. Um, They even featured uh, one area that incorporates a lot of various Western art. They even had one area that incorporated uh, artifacts and even clothing from the – keystone pipeline protests near uh standing rock several years ago so it was a little bit trippy to see a t-shirt that a buddy of mine owned or at least a t-shirt that became basically became a museum piece and then separately here's a friend of mine that has the exact same shirt that he got because he was at standing rock you know um Mm -hmm. yeah just kind of finding ways to incorporate all this stuff into a visual medium, its it always fascinates me just because where do you kind of go moving forward with teaching people about the West, teaching people about indigenous culture, um, and even recent history. You know, when I talked with Keisha at the at the Autry about La Raza, she basically made it clear that, like, the, you know, yeah, it's the 1960s, but... California is still the West. Ultimately, like California was the edge of the Western frontier um, during that lovely period known as Manifest Destiny. Um, And it it, we're still in the West today, even though, you know, there's there's a Lexus outside. And even though uh, everybody's got an iPhone, it's still technically part of the American West. So getting to kind of see this within that framework i think was truly fascinating um and to kind of see it this see it in this capacity i think really kind of touches on a lot of different sort of crossroads that you see within various you know ethnic studies discussions uh on science on art on culture and especially given just the, the metropolis of los angeles and you know all of the the oddities that happen here but um yeah man i i I'd, I'd be down to go check this out uh once uh LA well, once quarantine's over b we're vaccinated and c when it's uh accessible to the public but um this is fascinating and you know this will certainly be something on our radar when the time comes when you look through the story was there anything else that kind of caught your eye you pretty
1: much you pretty much explained it all, man. <laughs> it was a it was a good synopsis. Uh, I can't think of anything else. So,
0: and and thankfully, you know that was as far as I was gonna go, just simply because the article the article is incredibly long and covers countless uh, museums, whether it's the Broad, Craft Contemporary, um, two museums we've talked about previously on the show. I think they're getting a little bit of help from. George Lucas's Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. So there's a little bit of that kind of going in with with some of this. So um seems appropriate given if one of these exhibitions is going to bring up Star Wars. I guess it makes sense that George Lucas will be like, oh, yeah, I guess I might as well chip in a little bit. Uh, it might be might be helpful. Um. So, <laughs> oh, what? Baby Yoda. Oh, no, that's the. You've you've destroyed the collective uh, sanity. Oh no! Before I rip Star Wars another one, hey, you know it looks more enticing than fucking Snyder cut. So let's go full speed ahead. Um, <laughs> and then and then we had one last topic that uh, you had brought up with me uh, prior to recording that I felt uh, uh, yeah. easily fit in here for a little bit.
1: I'd like to just go over this quickly because it um. It it uh, spoke to me as someone who is, uh, I wouldn't consider myself in a vast amount of crippling debt, but the headline would definitely make readers, uh I feel like, get turned off. So as USA Today puts it, Joe Biden shoots down the 50K student loan forgiveness plan. He says, quote, I will not make that happen. Now, regarding student debt, especially in the uh, in the era of covid, you know, I. You know what? Actually, I'm not going to even give some impassioned speech about it. Okay, we all know that it's all fucked to high hell and God forbid you actually decide to go to college in the era of a pandemic. So Joe Biden shoots down the fifty thousand dollar student loan forgiveness plan. He says, quote, I will not make that happen. Apparently, he had a clear response when asked Tuesday by a CNN town hall attendee how he would enact a 50,000 student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, And he says verbatim, I will not make that happen. (laughs) I see Heather in the corner is not at all thrilled. Um... (laughs) (laughs) she mouths this is why we needed bernie still didn't happen the president's dismissal comes as some congressional democrats have endorsed a student debt forgiveness program that would cancel up to fifty thousand dollars in debt for americans (laughs) it's just uh, the further you go i can't even read this with a straight face anymore because (laughs) while he says he's prepared to write off the ten thousand dollar debt um an amount where i I feel as though is in a very, 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 very small percentile for students borrowing money Mm. that I don't mean to be that guy (laughs) when I say this. I fall within because I I'm below 5000. But basically, he says that he doesn't he's not going to make this happen because he thinks that he doesn't have the authority to do it. Who has argued that the president doesn't have unilateral power to cancel student loan debt, an idea that has gained traction among progressives. Isn't this the guy who signed, like, 27 executive orders once he took office?
0: Something like that. Or, like, 42 or 58. I know uh, a friend of the show shared a photoshopped image. Uh, what a good journalist he is. Shared a photoshopped image of all of the executive order folders on the Resolute desk. Um, and it was kind of like, yeah. that's He, he signed a lot. He signed a lot. But... He has authority to do it. Like he's the idea that, you know, come on, man. I I, my my hand, my hands are tied behind my ankles. Like, no, you have the power to do it. I mean, I. I, Right, right, right. I don't get it.
1: In December, uh, it continues. In December, hmm. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Elizabeth Warren jointly called on Biden to cancel up to $50,000 in student loan debt. Dozens of Democrats in the House of Representatives introduced a joint resolution in February that also calls on the president to cancel student debt. Um, oh, these are just secondary articles. Cause it says right down below, five days a week, Biden recommits to his goal for reopening K-8 schools. And I'm thinking... Was it the journalist who had a brain fart or was it Biden who had a brain fart? Like, was
0: this? No, I promise fart? you it was Biden because okay. he 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 was spreading uh, horrible disinformation or rather misinformation regarding reopening okay. schools during that town hall where he was I like, was say, come on, th-
1: little girl. I, th- I think this is also I think this is also just like how it's formatted, um, but okay. it says also here Biden has resisted such calls thus far, arguing Tuesday that debt forgiveness should ideally depend on. oh this is rich whether or not you go to a private university or a public university heather there you go you're fucked just flip me off the federal government should not forgive debt for students who went to elite schools like harvard or yale or penn oh your brother's fucked then (laughs) yeah he's fucked oh wow Biden said student loans should have 0% interest. Okay. A move he enacted alongside a repayment freeze through September, as well as expanding student loan forgiveness for public sector works. You know, it's bad when your um, private lender, I'm speaking in third person, my private lender, rather, uh, deferred mm-hmm. the payment, like the interest payments to October. And Biden is saying, yeah, we'll do it through September. <laughs> so they just, they just threw me an extra month. Biden also said any student debt forgiveness would need to be justified against other policy priorities. (laughs) And then it says more. Here are all the executive orders President Joe Biden has signed so far. Yeah, it's just the formatting of this article is just bonkers. And I don't know if you can hear the dog in the background.
0: Yes, I I can. It's okay. Oh boy.
1: Yeah. Okay. The president's comments were met with swift criticism from some progressives who see student debt forgiveness as a moral imperative and economic opportunity. You sound a lot like conservative. viewpoints
0: welcome to uh democratic socialism my friend (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure brianna joy gray is mentioned in there uh (laughs) she's a real one um
1: aoc states
0: uh who cares what school
1: someone went to entire generations of working class kids were encouraged to go into more debt under the guise of elitism this is wrong Nowhere does it say we must trade off early childhood education for student loan forgiveness. We can have both. Exclusive states to receive biggest boost yet in vaccine doses. White House tells
0: government. Okay, I I don't like this formatting of this article. I don't know if you're reading. Yeah, I was gonna lot. say. I, I'm I'm starting to wonder if if you're reading headlines to no, other no, stories no. that are no, interspersed with the article. Literally, this isn't like a side ad. This is like
1: exclusive, like it's the next line down, like a paragraph break. Exclusive, states to receive biggest boost yet in vaccine doses. Like they're putting ads
0: just directly in the text. Okay, I, as, as a former USA Today reader, I gotta, I gotta... Oh, okay, no, those are... That's basically self-promotion of other articles that's not part of the story so like if you're jumping no, no, I, I, it,
1: I know it's not part of the story but it's like why wouldn't you just put this off to like the side at least breitbart had it consistent <laughs> where you would click well on breitbart's not back.
0: owned by Gannett, which is like one uh, of the biggest uh frustratingly Gannett. It, that's a whole episode in of itself but like they're they're basically one of the big conglomerate media uh owners in the United States and they own a massive, massive chunk of uh, media in the United States. And of course that incorporates like USA Today and countless other newspapers that they issue the exact same formatting. And trust me, it's annoying because you click X and it takes you out of that story completely. And it takes you back to the homepage and it's like, whoa, 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 where, where's the jump? I, I'm just jumping back and forth. No, he's got every authority to do this. I mean, I, I'll, I'll just quickly uh, direct mm. to a, a line from an article in Jacobin Magazine from Emma Rindlisbacher. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. But just to be clear on why why he can do it um, – when the coronavirus pandemic hit, the Trump administration used executive authority to provide relief to student borrowers by suspending payments on federal, students loan, federal student loans through December 31st. However, there are currently no plans to extend the suspension, which would expire before Biden's inauguration on January 20th, which is uh, when this was written. This that would leave is... at the very least a month-long gap where student borrowers would be expected to make payments during a pandemic. According to the proponents, Trump's executive orders to suspend student debt payments provide a blueprint Biden can use to cancel it. In March, when the Trump administration first suspended payments, they claimed the they claimed the authority under Section 432A of the Higher Education Act to do so. He's also got a history of of a record on on debt relief. Biden does so. The idea that he just can't do it, I mean. It's like, no, you can. You actually can. It's whether or not you're just deciding to not do this because you either would rather, you know, you, you want to make sure that all those kids can pay their quote unquote debt to the economy and to sort of boost the economy, even though we're getting paid nothing. Or are you doing it out of what he's previously admitted, in which he just doesn't care? Like, Biden does not care about. My generation or your generation, he's he's soulless in that way. I, I'll even quickly point to something that he said in 2018 uh, to uh, Pat Morrison from the LA Times. The younger generation now tells me how tough things are. Give me a break. No, no. I have no empathy for it. Give me a break. Because here's the deal, guys. We decided we were going to change the world, and we did. We did. We finished the civil rights movement in the first stage, the first stage, the women's movement came to be. So my message is get involved. There's no place to hide. You can go and you can make all the money in the world, but you can't build a wall high enough to keep the pollution out. (laughs) You can't live where you can't not be diminished when your sister can't marry the man or woman or the woman she loves. You can't. When you have a good friend being profiled, you can't escape this stuff. And so... (sighs) There's an old expression my philosophy professor would always use from Plato. The penalty people face for not being involved in politics is being governed by people worse than themselves. It's wide open. Go out and change it. Nah. Hopefully that answers your <laughs> questions. <laughs> I'm
1: good. You know, th- there's a reason I draw political science as a major. <laughs> um, I... Uh... I can't think back to undergraduate years and just and just
0: cringe. Literally the only. (sighs) okay
1: (laughs) Undergraduate. Taught me two things. Mm -hmm. One. It's to expect the unexpected. Like a pandemic. Darling. Like my darling girlfriend. (laughs) It was also to appreciate the little things. Also, like my darling – I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn it. So I I don't know. I I really don't know how else to end this other than to uh, basically state the ending of this article, which says, An ocean of student loan debt is holding back 43 million borrowers and disproportionately weighing down black and brown Americans. Canceling fifty thousand dollars instead of a federal student loan debt will help close the racial wealth gap benefit the forty percent of borrowers who not do who do not have a college degree and help stimulate the economy the duo contended and then it goes into detail about how oh student debt makes up about one point seven trillion in you know in uh one point seven Americans hold about one point seven trillion in student loan debt like point blank like jordan powell didn't just fucking pump six trillion into the deficit uh come february Uh, i i guess i guess the uh, question is where is all this money coming from who fucking knows Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day i think we can end off with uh the moment you have infinite money you have no money
0: yeah well it's ultimately uh this is the consequence of uh, vote blue, no matter who. As we both fairly derided uh, last season, so it's it's good to know that uh, crushing austerity is back in politics. Oh, yeah. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Erberich, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars.